All right, I'm going to start off this morning on a kind of a controversial note, but I want you, if you would be willing just to hang with me for a little bit, um, um, I think you'll understand why I'm even doing it in the first place. Now, you might be thinking, I wonder what he's going to talk about. A year ago, you might think, if I started off a sermon like this, you might say, oh, he's going to talk about politics or something like that. Don't worry, I'm not talking about politics. Um, a year ago, you might have thought, if I had told you what this controversial topic is, um, you might have actually laughed in my face. What would you have thought a year ago if I had told you that one of the hot topics that people are debating today would be the wearing of masks? People, a year ago, y'all would have laughed at me if I would have told you that that was what people are going to be, be debating and fighting over today, right? But here we are. Now, as I mentioned before, I'm not really concerned about what side of the argument you fall on with regards to that this morning. What I'm really concerned about is why we're having the discussion at all. And everybody, regardless of which side of the, the um, debate you're on, everybody would agree that the reason why we're having the discussion at all is because the world is facing a, um, a pandemic. We, there's a virus that has um, overtaken us, and we're trying to figure out what is the right way to protect ourselves and others um, from this, this disease. Simple as that, right? N that is not controversial. Everybody agrees that that's what that we're hoping to accomplish. Well, for those of you that have been around the last few weeks, you'll know, and for those of you that haven't, uh, we have been in a sermon series entitled soul detox. And basically, the purpose of this sermon series has been to identify the things in our lives, the toxins in our lives that have been making us soul sick. We've talked about things like negative words and, and fear and um, unhealthy relationships and lots of other things too. Um, well, today, what we're going to do as we conclude this, this series is we're going to be focusing on the cultural toxins that have been making us soul sick or potentially making us soul sick. But we're not just going to identify some of the cultural toxins that have been making our soul sick. We're also going to try to identify ways to be protected from these cultural toxins, the proverbial masks, if you will. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we... Hannah already read the scripture for you, but I'd like you if you would. If you, and if you don't bring your Bibles, I'm praying that you will. Just humor your old pastor because having your Bibles and reading your Bibles during worship is good, but it's also good just to be uh, getting into them on a regular basis because these are God's uh, instruction manuals to us. And there are things in the Word of God that if you become familiar with it, will change your life completely. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, and as you're looking that up, let me give you a little bit of context that will help you to understand what God's hopefully going to show us today. Um, back in the early days in the, of the church, when, when the church was brand new, one of the fundamental beliefs that almost every Christian back then held was the belief that, Christ, that Christ's return was imminent. Almost everybody believed that that it was going to happen any moment of, of any day it was going to happen. But that belief created a problem as the days, weeks, months, and years unfolded. 
Why? Because Jesus didn't return imminently. And people were starting to ask all kinds of questions. They were going, well, wait, wait a minute now. What, what happens to the people after Christ's resurrection? Um, what happens to the people that die before he, he returns? What, what are they, where are they at? What are they doing? What role are they going to have in Christ's kingdom when he establishes his kingdom here on earth? Great questions, by the way. Nobody had even considered any of those questions um, because everybody believed any moment now Jesus is coming back. So they didn't even make, they, they, they didn't worry about having a 401k. They didn't worry about what vacations they were going to go on next year. They didn't worry about whether they had a good interest rate on their home loan. None of that stuff. Why? Because Jesus was coming back any day. But the fact that Jesus hadn't come back as the days, weeks, months, and years went by had created an, an even more fundamental question in their minds. And the question was, should I believe that he's coming back at all? I mean, if I couldn't believe, because I, everybody was telling me that Jesus was coming back any moment now, and if, and if that didn't happen, should I believe Jesus is coming back at all. Well, that was kind of the environment that, um, that w existed when Paul wrote this letter to the church of Thessalonica into this questioning environment. And basically, his response to them was this. As you're reading the book, this is what you'll discover. Basically, he was, what he was saying is, I understand your confusion. Um, you have every right to have these questions. It makes, it makes every bit of sense that you would have questions at this particular point, but be very careful. Do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible, obviously, but that's, in essence, that's what he was saying to them. It's, 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 it's legit that you have these questions, but be careful not to throw the baby out with bathwater. In other words, what he was saying is this. He was saying that God and the things of God are vast, and trying to understand all of the things of God uh, in this life in particular, is kind of almost impossible. But even though, so when you have those moments when you think you've got it figured out and then it doesn't figure out or doesn't play out the way you think you had it figured out, don't just stop believing altogether. In other words, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because things haven't worked out exactly the way you anticipated or thought they were supposed to. He said, even when there's somebody that, that um, when something is, sounds really spiritual, like Christ's imminent return, even when somebody says things that, that um, um, or the person that says it is, is someone you love and respect, be careful. And then he says this in verse 21. He says, no matter what it is, test everything. So, He's basically, he's talking about the imminent return of Christ. He says, I know everybody had said or everybody has presumed that Christ was going to return imminently. But test that. Don't be, if it's true, don't be afraid to test it. I know a lot of Christians who are afraid to do that because they're afraid. They're afraid, oh my gosh, if I do that, it's God's going to be wrong. God is never wrong. I'll promise you that. You can, you can take the Bible and put it up against uh, true science. And when I say true science, I'm talking about scientific fact, not scientific theory. You can take the Bible and you can place it up against, and you'll discover that the Bible holds up every time. 
Test everything. Do not be afraid to test the things of God. It's all right. God is good and God is smart. In fact, He's smarter than most of you. Don't worry about God. Test everything. So, so when we'll, let's take this, this theory or this belief that people were having. Christ's imminent return of Christ. Where did that come from? The imminent return of Christ. Did Jesus ever say that He was imminently returning? I, I'm pretty good at the Bible. And never once in the Bible did Jesus say, Watch out, because I'm coming back tomorrow! Never once did he say that. You know what he did say? He said, I will come as a thief in the night. And he said, these are the things you can look for. Because it's not going to, even though I'm going to come as a thief in the night, you're not going to expect it. It could happen any moment now. You see, that's where it really came from, right? He said, watch for these things. Because you will, even though you won't know the day and the time, you will know the season. There are things you can look for. You can know. You just won't know everything. So people, because he said, I will come as a thief in the night, they presumed, oh, it's going to happen any day now. When he never once said that. Test everything. And then be careful that you're not presuming things that he never said. Or that were never promised. The things of God are vast and nuanced. And it is next to impossible, if not impossible, for us to understand them all in this life. Therefore, this is what he says in verse 22. He doesn't, just stop, he doesn't stop with just test everything. He goes on to say, knowing that there's going to be nuance, nuance, knowing that there's going to be times when you've tested something, you're going to go, I still don't know. I'm still not sure. So after saying test everything, he goes on to say, cling to that which is good. And abstain from that which is evil. My goodness, this stuff is simple, isn't it? In the, after you've tested things, cling to that which is good and abstain from the, run from that which is evil. In those moments when you're still not sure what you should believe or if, should I believe this? I don't know exactly. So cling to that which is good and run from that which is evil. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? And it's not just good advice about, about how to interpret the Bible. That's good advice for living life. Test everything. Cling to that which is good and run from that which is evil. There will always be things in life that there's not a clear-cut answer to. As time has went on, there's been more and more things that have been presented to us as human beings, um, culturally, that the Bible never speaks about. Did you know that the Bible never says anything about cars? Actually, there is one. Isn't there a place in the Bible where it says, and they all were in one accord? <laughs> I can just tell by the look on your face that you knew where I was going with that one, didn't you? The Bible never says anything about television, about movies, about, about social media, about uh, video games. It doesn't ever say anything about any of that stuff. So what are, how, and by the way, all, all of that stuff is potentially culturally toxic to your soul too, isn't it? So what are we supposed to do? 
with regards to TVs and movies and video games and social media, should we become Amish? <laughs> Maybe we should. You know, that's, that, that would be, that in some ways, that would make things very much more simple. But that would, in some ways, that would be like throwing the baby out with the bathwater, wouldn't it? Because not everything on television, not everything in the movies, not everything in social media, not all video games are toxic to your souls. So what might be another response to those things? Test everything. Cling to that which is good. And abstain from that which is evil. Every generation. Your, your grandparents, the things that, that they... The, the cultural toxins that they were facing are different than the cultural toxins you guys face. But every generation has these toxins, have had them, and will. The, the, um, the cultural toxins that, that Jacob will face when he is a grandfather or his grandchildren will face will be different than what he's facing today, right? Because things change. But the answer as to how to, how to um, be protected from the toxicity of these cultural influences is the same. Test it. Is it good? If, is it good for you? Then cling to it. If it's not good for you, then run from it. If it's evil, run from it. And by the way, here's another thing that you need to be aware of. There are some things when you go through this process of testing... There's some things that will be, that will be uh, evil to one and not evil to another. He's like, well, what are you talking about, Craig? I, it's something as simple as, as drinking a beer. To one person, drinking a beer can start them down a road that will literally destroy their lives. Test everything. If it's good, cling to it. If, it, if it's evil, another person can drink a beer, and it's nothing more than a, a cool, refreshing beverage on a hot afternoon. You see the difference? It would be so much simpler to say, just don't drink. Don't drink alcohol. And for some people, you shouldn't. For other people, it's not that big a deal. And it becomes very legalistic when we start making these hard and fast rules that God never gave us, but we do because... because See what I'm saying? Test everything. Cling to that which is good and abstain from that which is evil. The, the question that I want to ask you today is this. Are you feeling soul sick? You may not even be able to identify why, but you just know that your soul is sick. It's possible that the reason why you feel that way is because of these tox toxic things that, the, that we've been talking about for weeks now. But it could be about some of the stuff that you're being exposed to in the culture too. It's time to, to do something about it. You can feel better can start having hope for the future again.
And it starts with something as simple as testing everything and clinging to that which is good and abstaining from that which is evil. But it's even more fundamental than that. The truth of the matter is that this soul sickness that you feel, the way to start being healed is by accepting the invitation that Jesus has given to every single one of you. I didn't grow up going to church, but I knew when I was um, 17 years old that I felt soul sick. I didn't know how to call, I didn't know what to call it, but I felt it. And then someone introduced me to Jesus. And I didn't, my life didn't change overnight. Having the knowledge that God loved me just the way, way I was was enough to give me hope that I could feel better and I could, that there was a future that I could look forward to that, would, that was hope-filled. It, was, it made me feel so good to simply know that, that God wasn't saying to me, Go and clean up all that toxicity that you got in your life first and then come back and, and we'll talk. He said, no, I want you right the way you are today, Craig. And guess what? I love you so much that I'm not going to leave you just the way you are today too, Craig. We'll walk this journey together. And I'll heal you. And I'll give you hope and salvation. And all you have to do is accept this invitation to become part of my family. It's actually that simple. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, uh, and you don't know exactly how to do it, by the way, there's no, it's not complicated, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. But if you've never done that, I would be honored to pray that prayer with you today. Is In just a minute, Jesse and the team are going to lead us in our final song. And if you'd like me to pray, if you'd like to pray with me about that, I'm going to be standing right over there at the prayer room. If you've got something else going on in your life, maybe it's just you're feeling soul sick and you just like someone to stand with you, I'd love to pray with you. Maybe someone has passed away in your family or someone's sick and you just need somebody to pray with you. It's my privilege and my honor to do that stand right over there. Yes. One thing that has been tested and that we can be sure of is that Jesus went into the grave and then three days later he came out of it. It's on that hope that we build our lives. Would you please stand in joining us and praising that living hope, Jesus Christ. Shadow 
Would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do acknowledge you as our living hope. Yes, you died, but you were raised on the third day, and you ascended into heaven, and your spirit is here with us now. Lord, you're alive, and your return is imminent. You will be coming again soon, and we so look forward to that day. But until that day comes, Lord, hold us fast to what is true in your word. Give us a hunger and thirst for righteousness as you taught during the Sermon on the Mount, that we could be pure in heart, that we could see you, and so that we can be empowered to take your gospel to a world that doesn't know you. Let us walk away from the old life and enter into the new life, which is filled with joy and hope and peace, especially as we celebrate your birth this Advent season. We pray and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. Take your